Hey everyone, Ben here. I'm going to get to another edition of the Lockdown Wizards podcast in just a second. Connor Dirks from truthaboutit.net joined me to help discuss what we saw in the Wizards win over the Milwaukee Bucks. John Wall came back. Um, okay, I mean, I don't think he looked all the way back, but he looked effective, and the Wizards were certainly effective in a good win. Uh, before I get into the podcast, just want a quick reminder again, I've started a new college basketball podcast called Basketball in the DMV. You can find it on patreon.com forward slash Ben Standig. Um, it's got a little bit of a crowdfunding element to it. Uh, if you guys are interested in college basketball, Georgetown, Maryland, GW, George Mason, whatever the team is in town, uh, if I can get there, if I can get people from that school, that team to talk to me, people from you know, insiders, reporters, whatever else is interesting, I'm down with it. Uh, I'm going to post my third episode today. Uh, if you are a member, a, a patron, as it were, you will get immediate access to the podcast. Otherwise, it'll be released to the public a few days later, uh, plus some other goodies, which you can find all the details on patreon.com forward slash Ben Standick. And uh, we'll see in time. I may have some uh, Wizards NBA stuff on there as well. So please check that out. Greatly appreciate it. If you got any advice, suggestions, hit me up at Ben Standick or email bstandick1 at gmail.com. All right, let's get into this. Here we go. Uh, Connor Dirks from truthaboutit.net joins me. We talk Wizards win, a Wizards win. to another edition of the Locked on Wizards podcast, and we are talking about a win. How about that? Not only are we talking about a Wizards win, 99-88 at, at the Milwaukee Bucks, we are talking also about the 2017-18 season debut for Mr. Connor Dirks here on the podcast. Mr. Dirks, how uh, how are things uh, doing over there in Truth About It land? Uh, pretty good tonight. Uh, you know, this is a game I was worried about for a few weeks. So um, to get a win and to get it kind of, you know, in the second half the hard way feels pretty good. You know, I have to say, I believe this exact game, essentially, the fight, I think it was the first game against Milwaukee last year, was the frightful game where Milwaukee just looked superhuman against the Wizards and just blew them out of the gym. I believe I, well, I know I did that recap with, with your boy Kyle Weedai, and so I, I kept thinking to myself, I, this is a game I, I should get uh, Kyle for, but I'm very happy that we got you on. Uh, you're, you're, you're hardly a surrogate, but you are your own voice, and I'm glad to get your take, not just on this game, but on the Wizards as a whole. And, and we should note, you just reminded, you just told me this pre, uh, before we started, you have been to three games this year, you're undefeated, and we've we've now learned the Wizards can win in Toronto without John Wall, but not without Connor Dirks. You went to the first game that they played and they beat the Raptors, but you were not there Sunday and they lost. I think there's not a question. That's right. No uh, no John Wall in either, but one Connor Dirks. And actually, you mentioned Kyle Weida. He was there with me. So, um, you know, maybe it was Kyle, maybe it was me, but either way, they got to win. Oh, no, we're, we're giving you the credit. Until Kyle gets on this podcast this year, I know he's busy, but he gets no credit. Um, yeah, well, I'm fine with that. <laughs> All right, so uh, we're going to get into what happened 
in this game. Some good stuff uh, at a Bradley Beal, the bench, uh, even maybe a little Jan Mahimi, maybe, maybe. Uh, we'll get into that here on the Lockdown Wizards podcast. You can, of course, find us on iTunes or anywhere else you do your podcasting. If you want to hit us up on Twitter, you can find Connor. He is at Connor D. Dirks. Connor is C-O-N-O-R-D-Dirks. I'm at Ben Standig. And uh, Connor, let's just get right into this. You said this was a game you were worried about a little bit. I was as well because, I mean, the you know, Giannis, it feels like you're dealing with, uh, you know, like the Monstars or something. I mean, you know, he, he's got yep. he's got all that length. He's putting up crazy numbers. The Wizards, they do get John Wall back, but he had just missed the last game with that, uh, you know, with, with the knee issue. So you don't quite know where he's at. Otto Porter had to have a, a, a checkup on his wrist. He came back okay. But, you know, so you got a lot of things going on. And, look, it's on the road. This is the first back-to-back of the year. There was a lot to be concerned with. And for three quarters, it was anybody's game. But right at the end of the third quarter, Bradley Beal took control. He had, I think, seven straight points basically to end the quarter. And then the bench, uh, you know, kept kept it going to start the fourth. We'll get into some specific topics, but just in general, what for you was sort of the thing where you're like, oh, okay, I kind of uh, I kind of like that today. Okay, so uh, you mentioned Giannis. Uh, he still had a what I think many people would be jealous about and, and call a pretty good game, 23 points, eight rebounds, four assists, three blocks. Um, but what I wanted to note is that he and Otto actually played the exact same amount of minutes down to the second, 39 minutes and, and 10 seconds. Um, and Otto did a nice job generally um, on his own, 22 points, 11 rebounds, four assists, three steals. Um, so I, I think, you know, you mentioned uh, Giannis looked superhuman last year and, and turning him into just human. I mean, no crack on Otto Porter, but, you know, uh, having him have a, an Otto Porter stat line rather than a, you know, top five player in the NBA stat line, it makes all the difference. And, you know, you see the, the Wizards win by 11. Um, and I think a lot of that is, you know, just keeping Giannis in, into a box of a really good player, uh, but not, you know, a superstar. Yeah, you know, the first half in particular, it felt like Milwaukee was missing a bunch of shots around the rim. I think Steve Buckhans was saying in the broadcast, he's never, he couldn't remember a team missing as many close shots as the Bucks did. So, you know, I don't quite know if the Wizards were, say, playing spectacular defense on Milwaukee, but they were certainly active and they made Giannis work. He finished eight for 21. Uh, yeah, he did miss, you know, some shots where you normally think, boy, that's going to go in. Um, and then it didn't, but you know, if nothing else, they, they, they were active. You mentioned Otto, he had some help. I mean, I mentioned Jan Mahimi. I'm not saying Jan Mahimi had a, you know, so uh, we're not going to go crazy, but at least a, a couple times <laughs> in the fourth quarter where the thing we expect out of Jan Mahimi to play defense, to be a factor. I remember at least one play Giannis turned on somebody and he went towards baseline and he threw up a wild shot that basically kind of missed everything. And it was because Mahimi had turned, had, was there, and obviously Mahimi's a pretty tall dude, and Giannis, you know, tried to lob it, you know, put it over him, and he missed it. And, uh, you know, just collectively, they seem to be active, and that's what you need, obviously, against Giannis. Despite his score, he's averaging over 30 a game. Milwaukee was, is one of the bottom teams in the league in scoring on the year. Now, that a lot of that comes prior to Eric Bledsoe, who's been there now, I think, like six games. Right. Uh, 
and he didn't have a huge game, 14 points. Uh, he did have six steals, which is pretty nice, but only two assists. Yeah, not um, bad. But the, yeah, they just didn't. Milwaukee's never really had a second guy to uh, to sort of get going. They just, like I said, missed a bunch of shots. It felt like around the rim they finished forty four. Well, actually, I guess they missed a bunch of shots from deep. They finished four of twenty two from three. Yeah, in this one. Yeah, you know, Jan uh, Jan Mahimi. Actually, I remember the play you're talking about. Uh, he he definitely altered that shot, and and Giannis basically tried to launch it way over him um, and just missed everything. Uh, you know, the give and take with, with Mahimi in this one is that, you know, he had a, a couple really goofy, um, offensive fouls that just, you know, didn't make much sense. Uh, both were away from the ball. One was, you know, about half the court away from the ball. Um, and so there's a, a bit of a give and take there, but you're right. I mean, that, that shot altering is in large part why the Wizards, uh, liked him and were willing to pay him so much. Um, and we haven't seen all that much of it. So um, aside from everything else, it's good to see that, you know, he has it in him. And if he can, you know, cut down on the fouls and, and try to, you know, touch the ball without turning it over, uh, then, you know, maybe, maybe, big maybe, he can, uh, you know, start adding something to the team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you mentioned those fouls. There were at least two. He had five in 12 and a half minutes. There were at least two that I noticed where he just completely like trucks a guy. Uh, I think I made a joke like uh, on Twitter, something like, boy, he hits harder than Deion Sanders, Tony Romo probably. <laughs> That's right. I mean, he's definitely uh, going to yeah, I mean, it's one thing to like get some tough plays, but you can't make it so obvious that the refs have no choice but to uh, to call it on you. Um Right, no one likes to call off ball off ball fouls like that. But when you know the guy ends up like flattened uh, and you're you know running over him, then uh, not much choice there. Right. Um. You mentioned Otto Porter, uh, tw- uh, twelve points, eleven rebounds. Gortat had fifteen rebounds. The Wizards out rebounded them, forty six to thirty three. And you know, again, it's not like the Wizards are a small team. Um, but you know, I don't view them as like a great rebounding team. Whereas Milwaukee, again, it's probably just, you know, the sort of superhero vision I have of Giannis, all arms and legs, but they got a lot of other, you know, guys like John Henson's got some of that, um, fond makers on that yeah. team and, and the wizards, you know, really wreck them on the boards, uh, overall, uh, you know, obviously if Otto's getting 11, that's a pretty good day, you know. Not that he can't rebound, but just you know, just to get that sheer number is, is, is pretty good. Yeah, I thought that was a great sign, and I think I accidentally said Otto had 22 points earlier. You're right; it was 12. What was interesting is that um, you know, all the Wizards players that played, if you look at plus minus, were in the single digits, and it was all positive. Um, but Otto was at plus 22, um, and he also played the most minutes. So um, some variance there is expected. But uh, I think, you know, the scoring total wasn't overly impressive. You know, he didn't – he shot okay, 41% overall. Um, what was really impressive is how he was just everywhere. Um, getting the boards, uh, you know, being in the right place in the right time, uh, either help defense – um, funneling guys into other defenders. I just thought he was really, really, really impressive um, all game long um, and stuff that you know, doesn't – he's not always all that comfortable on defense, so it was, it was good to see that, um, especially against an opponent that's so hard to handle. 
you know, it's funny. I just looked at it. Up, I was looking at it while you were mentioning. So yeah, Otto, a plus 22, nobody else better than, a than, uh, Tim Frazier's plus eight, Bradley Beal, who led the way with 23 points. He was a plus three. John Wall, who did play 31 minutes was a plus three, but it's basically because Otto started the second and the fourth quarter with the bench. Now the second quarter didn't really work out so well. They immediately, as per usual, they, you know, they come into the quarter up, uh, up eight. They get out scored seven and they were getting, they, they even lost the lead there for a little bit in the second quarter. But in the fourth quarter is when things really, they really pulled away. As I said, Bradley Beal, I think scored the last yep. seven points in the third, but then in the fourth with Otto in the bench, they really got it going. Ubre scored a bunch. Jody Meeks had some buckets and, um, and Giannis was still in the game at that point. So that was really impressive. Yeah. 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 Giannis played right. Same. Answer. By the way, it's kind of crazy to me. The Wizards play their first back to back of the year, the last NBA team to do it. This is the second game. So you would think on some logical level that the second game of the back to back, maybe you go deeper with the bench. Scott Brooks went the other way. He, instead of playing his usual 10, he only went nine. Forget no Jason Smith. Also no Mike Scott again. Oh, uh, it's just funny. Right. I, Again, if you're going to play Otto 39 minutes, then somebody else is going to lose minutes. Uh, and uh... yeah, and, I, and Otto got got checked out after the last game too. So if anyone was, you know, other than John Wall was maybe going to get their minutes cut down a little bit, you'd think it was Otto. Instead, like you said, uh, Brooks goes the other way and, and plays him a game high 39 minutes. Absolutely. All right, we're here on the uh, Locked On Wizards podcast. Ben standing along with Connor Dirks from TruthAboutIt.net. I want to now, uh, Connor, you had some thoughts on Twitter that I want to get your uh, let you expand your thoughts on, specifically on the point guard Tim Frazier. We're going to do that here in just one second here on the Locked On Wizards podcast. All right, so. Uh, since this is your first opportunity to really express yourself, um, you know, beyond, well, I guess it's 280 characters now. Uh, I get, I mean, uh, you're writing, but you know, you know, in terms of this format, you get to, you get to go at it. Uh, since you were talking to Tim Frazier, you seem to have some thoughts on him. Uh, oh, the, the wizard's backup point guard spot, always a highly controversial position. It is, it has been the equivalent of the spinal tap drummer. It feels like over the years, <laughs> They just can't quite figure out a, a, a great answer. I don't think Tim Frazier's been awful, but when he's not been good, it's been obviously not so good. What was your take on him today, and where are you at with the whole Tim Frazier experience overall? So today I thought he had one of the worst, probably the worst Tim Frazier half I've seen uh, all year, and that was the first half um for a few reasons. I mean, him and Meeks are always going to be very dangerous on defense if they're on the court together. And a few times they just got completely lost. Um, you know, whether they were switching or whether they were just kind of getting bullied around, uh, you know, they just couldn't, they couldn't quite compete on defense, but on offense, I mean, he was just doing some wacky stuff. Um, double clutch passes that he was trying to wrap around, you know, a few defenders uh, getting caught up in the air uh, running out the shot clock without, you know, running much of an offense. Just a, a really bad half in the first half. But then in the second half, um, you know, I really have to credit him. He he kind of turned it around, um, especially in what you were talking about earlier, that um, early fourth quarter run. Um, 
but he did such a much, a much better job finding Jody Meeks in places where Jody Meeks can actually do something. And as you know, Meeks is um, a nice player to have on the team. Uh, but if you don't kind of facilitate him in a way where he can be successful, he, he can't do that much. Um, so finding him running to the basket uh, or open for a three is the way to go. And Fraser did a really nice job there. And basically he did a nice job. Um, I'm trying to say this in a way that's complimentary and doesn't sound rude, but uh, staying, <laughs> keep staying out of it mostly uh, getting the ball to the right guy at the right time. Um, not forcing these crazy drives or these really, you know, dramatic uh, plays where he's, you know, making a miracle pass or a miracle shot. Um, and, and that's great. And, you know, another game that I saw him play really well in this when I was up in Toronto uh, earlier this season with uh, Kyle Widai, Frazier played really well, almost had double digit assists, I think, in that game and just did a really nice job facilitating. Um again, after a slow start in that game as well. Uh, overall, um, I, I'm not, you know, Frazier started off the year really badly. Um, and over the last, uh, Kyle mentioned it on Twitter tonight, but over the last eight or so games, he's looked a little better. Uh, <laughs> if we're ranking Wizards backup point guards, I'm not sure he's um, he's gotten to, uh, like, you know, the inestimable, inestimable Andre Miller or Ramon Sessions level, but he'd be above Eric Maynard on the rankings for me. You're right. I mean, um, he's definitely better than Trey Burke. He's definitely better yeah. than Eric Maynard. Uh, Andre Miller was just a whole other level. I mean, it was, you know, we got the right. land of a guy who was you know, probably just, just outside a Hall of Fame level career or, you know, somewhere in that. Like he'll get arguable. Like he'll get like a vote or something, but you know whether he gets it or not. Um, and uh, you know Sessions certainly had his flaws, but he was very good at getting to the basket and scoring and just giving you a consistent presence. And they just haven't had that since he left. Um, the right. The the the, the point that I made. I, I, I had your colleague Adam Rubin on on yesterday's podcast, and it's it's with Frazier, but it's with the bench as a whole. It just seems like all these guys are sort of put in a position to fail when Brooks puts them out there together because none of them are, there's really no single guy who can, can be the focal point. I'm, we're not going to go with Uber yet. Again, he had a good game today and there's been some signs of growth, but he, he's not there by any stretch. So when you're out there right. together, especially for Frazier, the point guard, he doesn't have anywhere to lean on. He has to do it all himself and he's, that's not his game. He's not big enough. But when he has people to distribute the ball to, like when he played with the starters in Toronto, or having a guy like Otto on the court who can, you know, be at that focal point, it just he just looks more comfortable in that way. And that's why we just like to see Brooks keep staggering the starters more. Helps it seems like it helps Frazier and Meeks in particular. Absolutely. Um and you know, there was a weird lineup out there um with Ubre, Frazier, Meeks, and Mahinmi. Um, and I think Otto was out there as well for a bit, um, but it just couldn't get anything going in the uh, in the early second quarter. Looked really bad. Just looked like you know they never got out, never got inside the three point line. Almost they were just kind of passing it around, and every time they made a foray in, it would end in a turnover or, or a really badly missed shot. Um, so in the fourth quarter, um, it just seemed like he kind of 
he and Meeks and Porter figured it out a little bit more um, and found a way to um, find those holes in Milwaukee's defense, uh, whereas earlier in the game, they, they looked like they couldn't crack the code. Yeah, so, uh, so, so some positive signs there. By the way, I should mention before I forget, the Wizards, they're, they, they're next. They're, they close out this three-game road stand Wednesday against Charlotte. Then it's Thanksgiving, and then they are back uh, home against Portland. Uh, Thanksgiving, you got any uh, any rocking plans? Or are you a uh, football turkey guy, or, or do you have some more exotic uh, traditions in the uh, Dirks household? <laughs> well, I, uh, you know, the Dirks household is going to be far from where I am. I'm uh, going up to my wife's family's house in Maine. Uh, and you know what? I don't really know what to expect uh, other than her whole family, which I'm sure will be lovely. Um, but uh, I think last time I went up there, it was mostly just, you know, standard turkey and lots and lots and lots of food. So that's pretty interesting. You're going into a Thanksgiving completely with a complete unknown situation that is uh <laughs> that, that'll be for you that's right and, and in the you know the extremely comfortable confines of the state of maine in late november um which i'm sure you know it'll be ice cold and uh, my face will fall off so oh yeah of course I've, happy to be with family i've only been to maine in the summer uh, I, well, yeah, yeah. It's nice. The general rule is I don't. I try not to go anywhere north of New York City once we get like you know from Thanksgiving on. That's uh, my you know I'm not like I may go to Boston for Christmas for a certain basketball game, but other than that, I'm not trying to. Uh, I'm not trying to uh, go crazy here. Yeah, generally I don't think there's a reason to expose yourself to that kind of weather. Yeah. Well, you know. Uh, Great, you, you know, you do it for the wife, you do it for the, you, you do it for the uh, in-laws, you do all that thing. Um, from a wizard standpoint, I'll be overly corny here, uh, since again we haven't had you on before, this year. Uh, we're, we're now the Wizards are now ten and seven, so seventeen games into the season. What are you most thankful for with for the Wizards this season? Uh, at this point, seventeen games into the season. All right, so this is relatively easy for me. I think I can give you a a confident answer. Um, I'm most thankful for, and I I had a post about this um, uh, last week, but I think I'm most thankful for Bradley Beal's improved um, game near the basket, Um, especially with his shot from behind the arc being off. uh, I think it's just a huge addition to his game. Um, and it's going to allow him to, you know, be that more of a Dwayne Wade type player than he has been in the past. Um, I know he's always gotten comparisons for, you know, how pure his stroke is and his three point shooting. He became the, uh, youngest player in NBA history to hit 700 three pointers tonight. Oh, yeah. Uh, congrats to him. Um, but, but, you know, him adding that, that, um, that game close to the basket and his finishing in the basket has been really incredible this year. Career high, uh, career high in three po- in free throw attempts, um, career high in percentage around the basket, and um, relying less on assisted baskets as well. Um, for the first time in his career, he is uh, under 50% of his 
uh, points are coming from assisted baskets. Um, it's around 45%, um, or at least was when I wrote the post last week. Um, so I'm thankful for that. A close second, I guess, would be um, I, I continue to be thankful for Kelly Oubre. I think if he, he continues on his path, he's going to be a um, you know an actual asset for the Wizards. And they've long, long needed someone um, that they can rely on to play defense off the bench and kind of spark that second unit. Not there yet, though. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, the, the Beal, I mean, the Beal dribble drive game, I mean, so is this such a difference? Um, the, yeah, I mentioned those seven points at the end of the uh, third quarter. I mean, one of the, he had two layups. One of them, I mean, he just looked, you know, like Adrian Peterson running through the line of scrimmage, but like while dribbling, he had like that type of intensity. He knew what he was doing. He wasn't afraid. He made he 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 did it with a, with a vengeance, and uh, you know that just wasn't part of his game a couple of years ago, at least not consistently. Um, no, it really wasn't. Uh, he's been much better about getting to the line. I mean, although he only had two attempts today, and in the last game, I don't think he had any. So um, you know, you know, like these these things uh, even out on some level. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, totally with you there, and it's to the point where you know I've I've thought the last year or two that you know when he's end of quarter, end of game situations. He's the guy that I would like to see have the ball in his hands more than a wall because he gives you a, a shooting threat. But now that he can get all the way to the basket, and obviously he's a you know great three-point shooter, you know, and, and, right. and, and he's not a, a chucker. I mean, he's not one of these guys who you're like, oh, boy, he's going to get the ball and immediately shoot. Uh, he'll do what he'll do what's right. Uh, you know, it just makes him such a such a threat. So it's going to be interesting to see that that how that shakes out. Um, l- l- lastly, here uh, from me, what what's your? Uh, I don't know. What, what do you think? I mean, bigger picture here. That they're, they're what what are they now? Ten and seven. You know, you on the one level you can look at it and say, you know, considering they didn't have Marquise Morris early on, considering Wall's been a little banged up, uh, you know, it's trying to figure out the bench. You know, ten and seven's not terrible. They obviously, though. Oh, and I—I I don't think I even said they've now in six of the last seven games held an opponent under 100 points. They've held them right. actually those opponents 95 or under in six of those seven. So since that Dallas loss, that you know they have picked it up defensively. Good signs uh, on, on that front. But you know they have had some inexplicable losses. You know uh, that Miami game just a couple you know, a couple games ago. The, the inevitable, they come home after a win and, and look lethargic early and had to fight their way back just to even have a chance to potentially win it, even though they didn't. What, what, what do you, bigger picture here, like, what are you seeing? Are you seeing a team that's, are you still vibing the title contender part, or you have a little more concerns than you did at the beginning of the year? Um, Probably the latter. Uh, although, you know, like you said, there's, there's some reasons to be really optimistic. And, you know, in terms of a player growth standpoint, I actually am pretty impressed um, with, you know, Beal, Porter, and uh, and Dubre. I mean, they, they all seem really improved from last season. Uh, so there's a lot to be happy about there. Um, but, I you know, I, I keep – I can't get over it. I can't get over the, the those really bad losses to the Suns, to the Lakers, and uh, to the Mavericks. And so it's it's disappointing in a way that they're only ten and seven when um you know you win those games and they're 
what, 13 and four. Um, and I think that uh, you can't let them off the hook. You know, they're not a 13 and four team. They're a 10 and seven team right now. Um, but they have the potential to be that 13 and four team at this point in, this, in the season. And uh, it'll really be on them to uh, make good on it and actually win those games consistently. Um, yeah, I'm not going to blame them for uh, – the Miami loss the other day, uh, it's really hard to uh, win, win a, both games of a home and home like that. Um, and, you know, Miami came out uh, crazy fast, crazy good in that second game. Um, and so the Wizards you know, did all they could to come back, not going to hold it against them. But, you know, those three losses I mentioned really sting uh, and are the difference between a team that looks dominant and a team that looks like, you know, they have a chance to be better than they've been, but uh, haven't actually, you know, put it on paper yet. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, the bigger picture when it comes to, you know, how many wins can you get, where are you going to be a seed, losing those games, you know, it's probably going to come back to, to to bite them. And you mentioned the record. I mean, what made tonight so important, you know, we'll see what they do against Charlotte. I mean, Charlotte is, uh, you know, uh, first time, we'll, you know, we'll have seen them this year. You know, they're six and nine. But they've won their last two, and you know, they, they, I don't know. It feels like they always play the Wizards tough. I feel the same way about Milwaukee, and the Wizards have actually won I think four out of five against Milwaukee um, now. But right, uh, you get past Charlotte, then you got Portland at home, then at Minnesota, at Philadelphia, two teams that are certainly much improved. Home against Detroit, they've already beaten Detroit, but the Pistons are ahead of them in the standings. Then they go on the road trip at Utah, at Portland, at a Phoenix team that they that, that beat them. At the Clippers, then at Brooklyn, uh, potentially a, another chance for a Connor Dirk sighting there. Oh no, wait, no, not your uh, your your. I'm back in DC, Ben. Never mind. Yeah, well, maybe you'll still go there anyway. Who knows? What do I know? Uh, That's right. But uh, so the schedule, I mean, it's get you know a lot of road games, which is just difficult no matter who you're playing. So it's why it would have been nice to bank those wins. Nonetheless, you know, uh, maybe in another podcast, I'll, I'll look ahead and project what their schedule needs to, what their record needs to be after they get done with that West Road trip. But nonetheless, it's going to be interesting to see where they're at here coming up uh, once they, now tougher opponents on the road. And uh, yeah, we'll see if those bad losses that they had were, um, uh, you know, canaries in the coal mine or aberrations. Something like that. Right, you know, it it doesn't matter at the end of the day if they run off, you know, five six wins on the uh, playing against these all these teams that are you know largely playoff teams or at least teams with playoff aspirations. They can rattle off a bunch of wins, and you know we might forget about those um, those early season losses to really awful teams. But um, you know, as it stands, they, they're going to have to prove that they're a team that consistently beats um, teams that aren't in contention. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, uh, great job out of you. No, no rust in your game. You got the analysis. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. Down pat. Uh, go follow Connor on Twitter at Connor D. Dirks. Go read his stuff on truthaboutit.net. And uh, I'm just telling you right now, if you're going to come at Connor, you best come You best come good because the, the dude will uh, will come back at you with words you've never even heard of. So uh, <laughs> just, just, be, just be warned. That's all I'm going to say. Well, thank you, Ben. Uh, as always, it was a pleasure. All right, man. I definitely appreciate it. Uh, thanks to you guys for listening. Back with another podcast tomorrow. I think you guys are going to uh, – another another good guest. I'll keep it as a surprise, but another good guest coming up uh, as we head into the Thanksgiving holiday. So until next time.
See ya. Deal gets open for three. Dagger! Oh, Bobby Sine, Hawks! Oh, Bobby Sine, Hawks! Oh, Bobby Sine, Hawks!